Sorry to interrupt the beginning of an episode. There's a point at which I'm talking to Eileen and I discuss two owls that I have seen up close in my life. The first owl is uh, one that I saw the day that I also saw the fairy. The second owl I saw the day that I decided to start this podcast. And I trail off when I'm talking to Eileen and I don't really complete my thought, in part because I became uncomfortable as I recalled that memory while I was speaking with her. So I just wanted to jump in here and complete the thought for you all. Um, Basically, I was up on the internet looking for stuff about fairies for the millionth time, trying to satisfy my curiosity about what I had experienced. And I went to bed and woke up kind of like in a start, like, ugh. And uh, I live in this condominium that's right next to a park overlooking a river. And I have this little tiny, you know, baby tree that was planted two years ago when the building was built. And uh, in the tree is this owl, like right outside my window. That's what woke me up, you know, from a sleep. Like I knew it was there somehow because I had gone to bed not very long before. And so I look out the window and there it is in the tree looking in right at me. And I have some video and photo of that so that I'll put that on the website for you. Anyway, I just apologize for uh, interrupting the start of an episode, but I did want to get that thought complete for you as you listen so that you weren't left hanging. Anyway, after a brief pause, we'll jump into the episode. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Yes. <laughs> yes. But it's so, it's, so, it's so brief, isn't it? When It's so brief that you, you wonder if it really happened. I think if you, you you get something in your mind when you're very young and it um, can't re- hasn't really been um, disputed and you take it with you, I think it, uh, there's something in that rather than just uh, something happening when you're older and you just dismiss it because, oh, no, it can't be so. If it's something stays with you, then it stays with you uh, for a reason. And um, I'm not really into very deeply into reading about anything or getting much more involved in um, whatever's going on or not going on. I just know what happened and it's as basic as that with me. I saw what I saw and um, it's just stayed with me since I was uh, very young. Yes, and many children see them too. About 75% of the world's children today are being born with etheric vision. And when your children talk with people and have uh, daydream playmates, the chances are they are actually speaking to some of these people because these angels or angelic forces or nature spirits, as they're often called, will often make themselves seen. Whatever it is, it looks every bit like a fairy and very little like anything else. But seriously, it kind of looks like a fairy. Fairy, 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 Just kind of doesn't look like your standard mall. I know that the paranormal is real. Listen. But I wasn't going to make this video until I looked a little bit closer and I realized after it lands behind my bench, it disappears. And it just vanishes. And in fact, I went outside to look to try to find it, to see if it was trash, to see 
if it was a bug, to see if it was a leaf, like trying to figure out what it could be, and it was gone. It just vanished. What's that? Yeah. What's what? Yeah, look. Right up there. Insect or something. Is that an insect? Let's have a look. What happens to people who cut down fairy thorns? Did you see it? Huh? Did you see it? Yeah, me and him side. What'd you see? It was like a... It was like a big creature. A big creature? Yeah, like around 10 feet tall. I'm not gonna BS you guys. One of my partners said they saw something fall out of the sky too, so that's yes. why I'm kind of curious. Did you see anything land in your backyard? Okay, hi everybody. Welcome tonight to the Fascinating Fay podcast. Tonight we're going to be joined by Eileen, who's calling us from Australia, uh, in the province of Victoria. I'm extremely excited to speak with Eileen. Um, Eileen was kind enough to reach out to me and let me know that she grew up in Cottingwood, which is, as many of the listeners will know, um, you know home of the famous Cottingwood fairies photographs. Yes. The, the Sir Arthur Doyle uh, involvement in that story was that he originally said he believed in the photographs, but it was later proven that, and this is the key thing, that many of the photographs were cardboard cutouts. There is, however, a lingering debate over the fifth photograph as to whether or not it is in fact a real photograph of fairies or not. Yes. That is the Coles Notes version of the Cottingwood Fairies story. Some young girls took photos of fairies. Sir Arthur Doyle endorsed them as real. That was later proven to be not true for most of the photos. And there still remains to this day quite a lot of debate over the fifth photo as to whether or not it is a real photo. So the reason I'm so excited to talk to you tonight, Eileen, is because when you reached out to me, you indicated that you grew up in the same area that these photos originate from. Yes, yeah, quite so. You also indicated that you yourself have had an experience of seeing a fairy in the same area. And so um, I'm incredibly honored to, to welcome you on here tonight. Um, what, I, what I'd like to do is just allow you uh, a chance to sort of walk myself and the audience into your experience. So if you would be so kind um, to just let us know, you know, sort of how old you were, um, maybe like what time of year, just some, some context and just walk us into your first experience of seeing a fairy, please. Yeah. Well, um, I, I grew up there from being about three years old to 11. So I would have been about eight ish. Um, and we used to play in the, what we call the Beck, which is a little Creek. And um, it was always very magical to me because I have a good imagination anyway. 
but um and I didn't know anything about the Cottingley fairies then until I was a lot older but um when you you think you see something but um you're not sure you tend to dismiss it and um we just get that fleeting something at the at the corner of your eye and think oh you know what was that it's, it was something but and it's you just feel that sort of something's looking at me feeling and um, that's how I used to feel when playing down there in the in the the beck and um you, uh, you could see almost little not I wouldn't say villages or something but little little places that little creatures could inhabit and that's why it was very magical to me and I could go down there by myself or with a couple of friends and play and you know just have a this this peaceful peaceful time of playing without so much noise and traffic and other kids shouting or anything it was just a, a nice a really sort of settled area that had been there a long time to me from in, in a young mind and um, that's how I thought of it. it was just a really settled ancient here which I didn't realize then but now I think it's an ancient area that um, has, has been so special and I always remembered that because um, then hearing about the Cottingley fairies when I was much later I thought oh you know goodness and I grew up there and my address was the, on the little estate we lived in Cottingley estate and and it just all sort of uh, came together then and of course I saw the um, the photographs and um, and I, I think to me I think um, I think it was true and I think they are real because they've never been dismissed and I think in such as the the, the movie that was made um, a fairy tale, I think it was. Uh, I think the children had to, or whoever made those paper ones, to be found to um, to dismiss the whole thing and kick and get the the um, the paparazzi, as they were in them days, off off their family, who were very ordinary people, and um, to to take the the highlight away from them because it was getting a bit out of hand. And um, I think they uh, they made those to be found and dismiss the whole thing. But I think really um the uh, it was true for the girls and i think it probably the photographs were true because it that sort of camera I, i've seen that sort of camera. we had one an old box camera and um you can't fiddle with them like you can with the fancy things these days and for young girls to go and just snap here and there and to get the pictures they did um uh wouldn't it would be so easy to do that but not easy to uh, make up something that wasn't true. They wouldn't stand a lot of uh, uh, paper cutouts there and take a picture. They wouldn't think to do that. So um, I think the picture was true, and I think they tried to dismiss it. And um, I think it was there in that area, and I think maybe the fairies left there. I really don't know. I'm just uh, just conjecture now, but um, probably just had to leave the area to uh, until the air cleared and they could go back to their peaceful life when everything had died down but that's how it was for me it was just a magical place and really something special about it and um i, I hope i did see something but um um i'd like to think i did but you just you just never know but um yeah i'd like to think i did <laughs> eileen thank you very much for telling us a little bit about your background and um in my excitement, I think I was saying Cottingwood, but I, I do know it's the Cottingley Fairies. Oh, yes, Cottingley. <laughs> Thank you for correcting me there. Um, when we were talking earlier, I think I mentioned to you the briefness with which my encounter occurred. 
And so I do understand, um, you know, some of the reluctance to, uh, to know what you've seen, even though you had experienced it. Um, when you say that you would like to think that you have seen something, are you able to, for the audience and, and just for myself out of curiosity, are you able to remember any more details about what you did see? Um, any type of appearance details, anything about uh, color, any, anything at all really that stands out for you? Well, it, um, it wasn't really a color, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, it wasn't really a color, it was like, you see something in the corner of your eye, something moving, and so you, you look, and for a split second, there's, um, there's sort of something there which just gone in a, in a blink because maybe you've looked at you've looked that way and um so it wasn't really the color it was more of uh something or some little thing uh moving moving and then just it was gone so more like more like a little figure rather than a color how old were you when the um the Cottingley fairies photos were were circulating when that was a popular media event in the UK at the time? Um, well, when the, uh, I wasn't born when there were actually the Cottony Fairies were, um, were, were seen or came about. I was, um, I was, uh, this would have been in, oh, 1958 when I was about eight years old when I was used to go down to the Beck. So this was, um, you know, the First World War, quite, you know, quite a few years before my time. So when um, it was still, uh, still still going on then and it, it, you know all that and I mean as I say I said before I hadn't heard of the cottony fairies and all all what that controversy that went on until I was much older so when we used to go playing in the beck it was just natural to feel it was special and magical and peaceful and you'd see a little something or a splash in the water and, um, and not think anything of it it was just you know natural I didn't think oh I've seen a fairy but you know, you've you've seen or slightly glimpsed something that was sort of beyond my young imagination because I'd never heard yet of the Cottingy fairies. But when I did hear of them, uh, much uh, older, it seemed to all make sense then. Mm. Fascinating. Um, I've been to certain outdoor places and indoor places actually. Some some churches come to mind and some other places of worship that I've been to that are indoor places come to mind that contain a certain feeling. And I've certainly been in outdoor environments that contain a certain feeling. And it's, uh, it's a, a feeling of, um, uh, hard, it's hard to describe, but it does feel as though there's something, uh, for lack of a better word, magical about a particular place. Yes. Um, and so this back that you're describing, um, could you maybe just help myself and the audience members understand what is a, a beck a, a little bit more, please? Uh, the beck. Um, well, the beck is like a little stream, or as we we say in Australia, they call it a creek, or um, what's another word for it? Um, well, the well, the creek really, or yeah, just a little stream, and they get a little bit wider where they just run off from the main river that's maybe nearer the big town. And um, that was just a Yorkshire word for them, uh, the beck. And you just all that's all I knew it as when I was growing up. Is we used to play in the beck, and it was um, not too deep and not too slippery or dangerous, and it was just fun to be there. I see. 
like a like a little stream running through the neighborhood or or I, I understand. Yeah, through through the woods. Yeah, through the woods, through the wooded area. Yeah. As we move along through this conversation, and by the way, I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to speak with me. I, I must be pretty early in Australia uh, as we're speaking here today. Mm. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you that I'm curious about, and I, I ask everybody that I um, interview on the show who's uh, had an experience with a fae, um, and there's no wrong answer here. Um, my question, um, Eileen, is basically, in your opinion, what what do you think fairies are? Um, ooh, that's a good question. Well, I think there's um, there's lots of uh, beings, I think, that we're unaware of or are aware. I mean, I don't think the Earth is just populated with just human beings and animals. There's got to have been something um, to bring these uh, rumours or um, fantasies about, like uh, leprechauns and things like that and you know some something must have started them off they don't just come out of nowhere i don't think um so i think uh, they've probably existed for a long long time or maybe they haven't developed into our kind of beings they're just um a little sort of step away from our reality and they're in the they're in their own world and reality and sometimes they just come through a little bit and um to show themselves so uh, that's what I think fairies are and maybe leprechauns or that sort of thing are a bit like um, ghosts to be people believing ghosts and things. You can have an experience and think, oh, I saw a ghost, but um, you don't really know. But there's, there's got to be something to where these things uh, start from. So I think they're just um, another sort of beings that are on the earth to uh, mix in with the rest of us. And, because people don't really understand them. They tend to dismiss them because we're not solid human beings. But um, I think there's a lot of things going on around us that um, that we don't really realize are there because we're just busy getting, getting on with our own lives, I think. I um, uh, Something you said there uh, just basically really resonates with me, which is that they have to come from somewhere. They have to be originating from somewhere. Yes, yeah, yeah. I just don't think they just come up in somebody's mind and I'll make up um, fairies or ghosts or goblins or um, something like that. I think they have to come from somewhere for somebody to see the, you know, to the first one or they um, develop in another uh, in another way that we do and that we sort of try to coexist on this what on planet and um, and they do their thing and keep out of our way and. A bit like insects that fly around. They, they're around and everywhere, but they tend to keep out of our way because somebody's going to swat them or something. So, um, you know, they just live their, live their own life in peace away from uh, out of uh, any harm's way. The reason that that comment about they must come from somewhere strikes me so much, and not to talk about my own experience too much, it's just like what I saw came from somewhere. And so my search, my search now is actually twofold. It's number one, what are fairies? What exactly are fairies? Like, what did I see? Yeah. But then correspondingly, where do these things come from? And I've been trying to find a, a way of saying what I'm thinking that 
um, satisfies me, but I'm still struggling. But basically, just to kind of build upon what you're saying, um, there seems to be an underlying logic or reality that would account for, let's just talk about fairies specifically, right? So fairies, some people I speak to say they are pure energy. And I think you mentioned like they're a step away from us. Some people would say that they're a step ahead of us. Yes. Like meaning, meaning they've evolved to the point where they've lost their physical form and now they're just pure energy, um, which would give them the capability of performing some of the things for which people that have seen and experienced them describe. So if you, if you allow for a sentient being to be pure energy and not have physical form, but still have sentience, that could, uh, you know, easily start to provide a baseline justification for how fairies are working or how they exist. But, but what that would suggest is that they have a habitat or an environment like a dimension, I think you mentioned, or a plane. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. From, from which they are inhabiting. And then also from which we are getting a glimpse of them potentially also like they are somehow ingressing or making their way into our current dimension for lack of a better word. But I'm in agreement with your, with your take on that, which is that there's some, something real behind it. And I think that, I think that because of what I saw first and foremost, so I shouldn't say I believe, I mean, I know, but the search, the journey here is one of trying to figure out exactly, well, what is a fairy and where does it come from? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, I haven't been particularly satisfied with the idea of it being a, a magical thing. Yes. Yeah. It's not just fantasy or imagination. It's, I think they're better at hiding themselves, but they're also curious of us. And that's those glimpses that we get of them. And then, then suddenly they're gone probably for their own safety or something. But um, I think they're better at hiding themselves than we are at finding them. And um, that's sort of um, good for them because uh, they would be in danger if they lingered around too long. But they're curious of us. So, so they, that's where we get to see those glimpses. Certainly in my experience, this fairy came to me and the person I was with. It came to us. Yes. So that would suggest curiosity. Yes. And like... And I, I've been trying to give voice to the experience a number of times in these interviews. And I've said it was proud of us for having so much fun was one way I felt. Maybe I thought maybe it was curious that we were having so much fun on the water, you know, and like, like a combination of the two, like, like, so if there is some, uh, thing about fairies that likes people or is curious about people in certain moments. Yes. It certainly would suggest that that might be how or why I was able to like, I don't want to say that I did the right set of things and it could be recreated and you would see a fairy, but, but maybe everything was just right at that moment that let, let the fairy, yeah, yeah, that let you know, like such happiness, such a perfect sunset, such nice weather, such a nice day beforehand with with someone I loved, 
do you know in one of those care carefree and truly happy moments which we're which we get so few of in life yes ex exactly yeah well a, a cre um, not a, a, a creature but some, something that would be curious you know would feel safe in coming into that sort of a happy peaceful um gentle environment as um as it did when i was playing an eight-year-old with a, other kids or by myself because it was just happy and laughing and giggling and a safe pleasant um environment to to just pop out in and have a look what's going on they're not going to um, turn up in a, a crowd of rowdy people you know having a, a fight or something obviously but um they did i think probably they made a sense uh, a, a nice atmosphere to just just pop through and see what's going on if it's you know pleasant enough to just show themselves for a split second so maybe that's that's the similarity of why it happens in those um uh situations where it's just a, a really nice time to just pop through and see what's going on um i've thought about this so much and earlier that day we had been in the in the forest, the place where the boat was anchored is in this beautiful, pristine kind of no no man uh, structure, no man made structures. This nice bay with a with a provincial park, um, and we had seen an owl in the day earlier, just like a few feet from us on the trail in this in a low limb on a tree, and it stood, it sat there and looked at us. I mean, we were clearly looking at this owl, and it was looking at us for a prolonged period of time. We actually left, went all the way up the trail, came back and the owl was still there. And uh, my partner at the time was brought to tears the second time she saw it. And I actually sort of left her alone with the owl for a while because they were having a moment. Um, and it would just appear to be looking like right at her. And I know that that's not necessarily related to my fairy encounter later, but it was in and of itself a super weird part of the day. I've lived in the woods. I've been in the bush. I mean, I've literally lived in the woods under a tarp for, you know, up to two years at a time living that way. And I can count on my two fingers the amount of times I've seen an owl right close to my face. And they were that time when I saw the fairy that day. And super strangely enough, when I decided to start this podcast, I woke up at four in the morning about four-ish weeks ago and that the night before I was like up super late researching fairy stuff for like the millionth time and I was like okay I just I'm not getting the answers I want like all this stuff just seems like it's coming through some sort of Dungeons and Dragons filter of like folklore magic-y stuff which is like okay like I'll I'll let that exist I have no problem with it but it does it's not me and it's not explaining what I saw so you know um I'm I'm really curious when you um when you were with your friends did your friends ever seem to perceive things with you as well or was it something that you were perceiving um more alone um, I'm really curious about that well it's difficult to say because it happens so quickly and when you're so young you don't really think oh look over there there's a fairy and you all see it doesn't doesn't happen that way but you know you'd see things sort of plop in the water and you'd all look and some would say oh it's um, a little fish or something or but i always thought of it as something a bit more than that so i don't know if it's just me or <clears throat> but um yeah so, some sort of kids are a bit a bit more 
I suppose you'd say down to earth or it depends on how you're brought up as well. I think if you if you've allowed an imagination to be open, not just to imagine fantasy things, but to be open to that wasn't just a, a fly, you know, you, you'll you'll sort of take notice more, whereas other kids are just splashing around enjoying the you know, playing in the beck. And um then I'd be I'd be creeping off behind little stones and wood and then little shrubs and things to see if I could see more. Of course you don't because they're not going to sit there waiting for you. But yeah, it's just it depends down to the individual, I think. But I was sort of aware of it, so I just kept it to myself, so I didn't get um, uh, ridiculed or mocked or something, you know, by the kids. When you saw it out of the corner of your eye, was there a feeling that came with it? Did you have an emotional feeling or a feeling inside your body that came with that? I'm just curious. Yeah, well, uh, I, I, I would say so, yes, but probably not realizing at the time. But as I got older and heard about them, I realized you'd see it in the corner of your eye and you didn't want to look too quickly because you knew it would go. And as it did, when you finally looked straight on so I think oh what's that you know you try to see and make more of it in the in the slight vision you have of it to make to make more of it but it's it's difficult so you look and then it's it's gone in a flash but you know something was there it's just not going to linger there while you look at it full on but mm. I am as part of my journey of understanding here one of the things that has come up outside of fairy culture. So when I say fairy culture, I mean like books about fairies, you know, the fairy census, the Cottingly fairies story. This is all fairy culture. Outside of fairy culture, um, there's some quantum physics stuff that's really interesting. Like it's recently been determined in the past, I think, you know, sort of two years or so that our nose is not smelling particles of what we're smelling. So like if you, you know, um, have some cinnamon, you're not really smelling particles of cinnamon. Our nose, our nose is in fact a quantum instrument able to detect the quantum vibration of the molecular structure of cinnamon. So, so it's not smelling the molecule of cinnamon. It is hearing, your nose is hearing the vibration of the frequency of the molecule of cinnamon. Yes. And they've also demonstrated that the um, eyes of many birds function as a quantum device as well and are able to actually see magnetic fields of the earth visually, which is, which is, how they've recently been able to understand bird migration across inclement weather or other events that would seemingly prevent navigation. It's actually been determined that robins and other small birds contain quantum detecting capabilities within their eyes. So I think that perhaps we as human beings have quantum vision Ooh. and we clearly have quantum smell. That's a given that that's our baseline is we are smelling at a quantum level every single moment of every day. Yeah. And, and so if that's true, it will further be revealed in my opinion that we have quantum faculties elsewhere. 
Our nose is quantum, so our ears may have some quantum faculties. Certainly our eyes do, is my perspective. And then our, our, just our cells, our brains themselves can also potentially contain quantum faculties. This would explain people in history being able to be in one place and then teleport to another. If you have quantum faculties, as a human being, like if you are able to engage with the quantum realm in that way, that, that becomes possible. So, you know, the start of the understanding is we have a quantum nose and animals certainly have quantum eyes. There's not been sufficient study on the human eye to determine the quantum vision capabilities. But when you talk about seeing something out of the side of your eye or the corner of your eye, yeah. also children allowed to have an imagination or not tend to, before a certain age, you know, have, have a, what I think is a, a undisturbed quantum vision going on. Yes. Well, I know. Sorry. Please go. No, I, I don't interrupt. Please go ahead. I'd love to hear your thought. Um, well, I was just going to say, um, when I was uh, that age, eight, eight nine-ish, um, I've was always been very extremely short-sighted. I mean, I didn't start to wear uh, glasses till I was about 10 or 11 years old when they realised I was really short-sighted at school. So when I used to go down to these places or, or play and see that, glimpse of whatever I, I saw, well, I will say a fairy, um, I shouldn't really have been able to see <clears throat> um, what I saw because I was so short-sighted, yet that was um, uh, as clear as just seeing something flit off the, off the corner of my eye, but uh, yet to see something much normal and nearer and the people, I was um, very short-sighted, but yet I saw I saw what, what I saw, you know, the, out of the corner of my eye, that was... Um, that wasn't difficult to see at all. Interesting. Mm. Mm. As we get uh, towards signing off here tonight, I do want to thank you again, Eileen, for coming on. Um, I know it can be difficult to give voice to the details of these encounters, especially one that's occurred uh, a very long time ago. So mm. I really appreciate you speaking about it in honesty. Um, albeit limited, your recollection is still important for people to hear. Yes. And many of your thoughts and ideas are also very valuable because I don't think that anybody has a fairy, you know, in a jar on their desktop that they're studying. Um, so no one really knows any truth about this at all, is my perspective. And, um, you know, my ramblings about quantum physics and stuff, it's just my you know, I'm a 44 year old man who saw a fairy. So I'm trying to bring it back down to earth as best I can and not make it about um, magic, but make it about science. Um, however, having said that, the idea that magic was a way of understanding these things prior to the invention of, you know, quantum detecting scientific instruments is totally valid. Like there was a point in human existence where there was no microscope. Right. And there was a point where there was no telescope, etc. So it's hard to dismiss entirely magic as the justification. I just think that maybe magic and quantum physics are somehow one and the same, or, or maybe it's different languages talking about the same phenomenon. Um, and, and so, you know, I just love having these conversations and hearing the different perspectives because no one is, uh, no one's the authority, in my opinion. Mm. And there seems to be not enough about fairies out there that is contemporary. 
anyway. Yes. Eileen, yeah. um, uh, as I let you go, um, would love to hand the mic over to you for any final thoughts or comments um, for the audience uh, just before we let you go here today. Um, I don't think so. I think I've sort of said it all, but uh, I think if you, you you get something in your mind when you're very young and it, um, can't re it hasn't really been um, disputed and you take it with you, I think it, uh, there's something in that rather than just... Uh, something happening when you're older and you just dismiss it because, oh no, it can't be so. If it's something stays with you, then it stays with you uh, for a reason. And um, I'm not really into, very deeply into reading about anything or getting much more involved in um, whatever's going on or not going on. I just know what happened and it's as basic as that with me. I saw what I saw and um, it's just stayed with me since I was uh, very young. and. That to me is enough evidence, if you, if you want to put it that way. Um, I feel like that's very valid. I spoke uh, last week with a woman named Monique who has carried an encounter experience for more than 50 years. And she feels almost very much the same way as what you just described there. Um, and so for that reason, I really do appreciate you coming on. And I think it's very brave of you to speak plainly about what you can recall. And uh, yeah, and, I, and I'm sure that the audience will be thrilled to hear um, your perspective coming from the Cottingley area in particular. Yes. Yeah, yeah that was interesting. <laughs> Fascinating. Um, anyway, Eileen, uh, a big thanks to Eileen from all of our human and non-human listeners tuning in tonight to the Fascinating Fate podcast. Very welcome. For the audience listening, uh, just remember that if you've had an encounter and you'd like to be on the show, shoot me an email at encounters at fascinatingfade.com or just drop me a line on Messenger uh, or Instagram. Either way works for me, just get a hold of me. And so um, with that, big thanks again to Eileen for coming on the show tonight. Eileen, I hope you have a great night. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. The same to you. Have a good night. Thank you. Well, on this place we call Earth now, who are we? And on this place we call Earth, why do we pick fruit from the forbidden tree? In the game of life, what am I? In the game of life, will I leave a mark before I die? So walk with me, baby, as the big picture rolls along. Well, I think you maybe we are just some fragments, and there's questions in my mind, questions in my head, I question all the time. All that we've been lit, that we've been lit. So practice what you preach, and preach what you believe. It's entirely up to you, the thoughts that you call.
Questions in my head I question all the time 